It's great to have you this morning. I know that your summer is winding down, and uh, it's been a good summer, uh, I know, uh, for a lot of you. But uh, it's great for me to be able to welcome uh, a familiar face to you, a face that uh, uh, you definitely grew a little bit more familiar with uh, in the transition time about a year and a half ago. But uh, I know a face that uh, you grew to love, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the more I've gotten to know Jeff, the more I, I just, I love this guy. And uh, he's kind of one of those people that uh, you're better when you're around him. You walk away and think, you know what? I'm a better person because I was around him. He's just one of those people. But um, Jeff Kunselman is our district superintendent. So for those of you who maybe not un don't understand the structure of the Nazarene Church, um, we're a global church that uh, is separated into districts all over the, the world but it's specifically also in the United States, about 80 different districts. Ohio alone has five of those districts. And so obviously we are a part of the Northwest Ohio district. And Jeff is the, uh, the district superintendent of that or overseer of all this. So kind of in a way, he's, he's my boss, right? So uh, everybody smile at him really nice today, <laughs> make him feel good. But uh, no, he is uh, just a, a great leader. And uh, it's awesome to be on this district with his leadership. But we uh, always want to welcome him here. And I uh, just want you to know we love you. And uh, we appreciate your leadership. And um, we welcome you back to Nat Naz. So welcome Jeff this morning as he comes and shares whatever the Lord's given him. Thank you, Chip, so much. It is so good to be here this morning. And uh, to, see, to see you, it really is. It's just great to be back and to have the opportunity to, to chat a little bit with you and to catch up with what's going on in your family and, and just to see, continue to see the good things that are going on here at, at the church and how pleased we are about that. Aren't we grateful that the Lord brought Pastor Chip and Nicole and their family to, to Napoleon? Aren't we grateful? Indeed, absolutely. And, and then this outstanding pastoral staff that the Lord has given to you, um, you know, and, and I know you've got all different levels of that, and, but, uh, you know, just Ben, what a, what a great young man, you know, and just uh, how, how fabulous, and love Christian, the Barons, and I met Trent this morning, so that was like highlight of my morning. You know, you young families, you young couples, have children for your parents' sake, it's like the greatest thing in the world is to become a grandparent. So, you know, if you're like on the bubble, do it. And uh, we'll, we'll thank you. We'll help you. So it's just, it's great to be here uh, with you again this morning. Mona regrets that she can't be here. Uh, you know, Mona's the guest services director. We, our district has a, a district center, a campground. And a few years ago, I talked, yeah, and it really was talking her into becoming the guest services director. I said, we need you. Well, she does an outstanding job, but uh, this is the weekend that the Ohio Christian Motorcycle Association is all there. So there's hundreds of motorcycles down there, and, and you know, I'm just hoping I don't come home and she's got a new tattoo or something, <laughs> and, you know, just one of those things. I, I just call her BB the whole weekend, short for biker, babe, and, uh, Anyway, so she really, she very much wanted to be here this morning. Well, if I say Peter, James, and you say, 
Yeah, John, you know who the third one is. It's Peter, James, and John, Jesus' inner circle. You ever wondered how Jesus picked those three and why those three? You ever wondered about Andrew and how Andrew must have felt? I mean, you remember Andrew, right? John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. Let's read a little bit. The next day, John, not the John who wrote this, but John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now that is so wrong. That is how not to make an introduction. I mean, that is, you know, you know why that's wrong? It's because we haven't met Peter yet. And he's already just in... John, in his gospel, is saying, everybody knows who Peter is. I haven't even brought him to the stage yet. But now let me introduce the one that I am bringing to the stage by the person that's not even on the stage yet. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Anybody here ever been known as somebody else's brother or sister most of your life? Don't answer out loud. I mean, I know you go to therapy for that sort of stuff. Well, here we go. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw Simon, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so we go along. They pick up the rest of the disciples shortly thereafter, and out of that Jesus picks the inner three, the three that would see him transfigured, uh, talking with Moses and Elijah, just those three. The three that when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought, he brought 11, everybody but Judas that night, and he brought the 11 in, but then he said to the other three, to those three, you come with me a little a little closer. Have you ever been there? I'm sure you have. Everybody has. At some point in your life, close, but not in the inner circle. Somewhere in childhood, youth, adulthood, school, work, athletics. You were part, you were on the team, you were in the group, but you weren't on the inside. And I dare say every one of us knows what that feels like. And sometimes it's obvious why some are on the inner circle and some are sort of out there at the edges. And, you know, it's, it's talent, it's abilities, it's past experiences, whatever the case may be. But then there's other times it's, it's just like this was an arbitrary call or... He just happened to be the coach's son, whatever the case may have been. But, you know, it's just sort of like, well, flip a coin and here you go and you land on these three or four. You know, sometimes those things can mess with us. They can get in our minds. They can get in our spirits. They can work us around. If we're not careful, they can make us bitter. 
There's danger in all of that. But, but let's move along here. The rest of chapter 1, Jesus picks up Philip and Nathaniel. And so there he's got six. In chapter 2, he's changing water into wine. In chapter 3, Nicodemus comes along. And in that course of that conversation, Jesus speaks the words that he is most quoted for. Uh, what we, in short version, simply know is John 3.16. Chapter 4, it's his encounter with the Samaritan woman. In chapter 5, it's, it's the healing of sick people, beginning off with uh, the man lying beside the pool, the pool of Siloam. One of the all-time great questions, the question of Jesus to the man lying there, do you want to get well? And then we come to John's Gospel, chapter 6. And you understand that John who wrote this is James and John. It's that John. And so here he is, he's writing it now, chapter 6, and it's the only miracle told in all four Gospels. It's a big miracle. I don't know if you can have little miracles, but if there's little miracles and big miracles, this is a big miracle. So big that it's in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Is there any real reason to read it this morning? Most of you, if you don't know it by heart, you have a pretty good idea of what happens. Do you know the situation? Jesus, long day, been healing, been teaching, big crowds. Big, big, big crowds. And then Jesus wants to give them something to eat. John doesn't describe it this way, but Matthew does, that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were hungry. Compassion is a primary characteristic of Jesus. I just referenced Matthew. Come to Mark, first chapter. He's just introducing, Mark is just introducing Jesus, and you understand the primary informant of Mark's gospel was Peter. And so Peter's basically telling Mark, and they, they skip all about the what we would know to be the birth of Jesus and all of that went on around that. I mean, Mark just jumps right into telling the story of the ministry of Jesus. Chapter 1, he's trying to set him up, say, this is, this, this is who Jesus is. This is what he was like while he was here. This is his lifestyle. This is, this is his heart. So you come to the last part of chapter 1 there, and, and they're walking along the way, and a man with leprosy, watching his his body, his skin just deteriorate right in front of him, his life just, just being taken from him, and the man falls on his knees and cries out in a loud voice, have mercy on me, son of David. If you are willing, you can make me well. And Mark records that upon Jesus seeing the man, he had compassion on him and went over and touched him. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Disciples and the big crew were coming to the town of Nain. Verse 12, as he, Jesus, approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. The reality of life is some people get more than their share 
And you can take that any way you want to take that statement. And some folks have more grief than others. When you think about it, the woman had lost her husband. And now she has lost her child. And I can think of nothing more grievous to me in all of the world. No matter what age your child is. And so here she is going through this procession again. Alone in this world. And then Luke makes a comment about Jesus that I've pondered for years. How did he know this? The way he writes it is this way. And when Jesus saw the woman, his heart went out to her. How, how, did, how did they see that? How did they know that? What expression was there? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? Was there a, a tear that, that came down his cheek? What, what was it? Did they hear the quiver in his voice? What was it that somehow that when Jesus saw her and what she was going through that his heart went out to her? So we're in naturally in the summertime in St. Mary's at our district campground. We're in camp season. Just got done with uh, some of the children's camps. And uh, Mona and I have a three-year-old granddaughter, Eloise. And last year, when she was only two, her mother, our daughter, uh, the only week that they could come to be with us for the summer was while one of those children's camps was going on. And it really, in many senses, we thought, well, that's not really the ideal time to come, but you know you're going to take what you can get any time that they can come. And so, so they came up. Well, it turned out to be this wonderful experience for little Eloise. She was Mona's shadow throughout the week, and she really thought herself to be one of the campers, I think. And she went to all the services and all the meals and any activity, and she just had such a wonderful time that all year long, all she's talked about is coming back to Nona and Pop's Ohio house and going to camp. So a week ago, Mona flew down on Allegiant Airlines, flew down on one day, I don't know if Elysian's safe or not, but it's cheap. And, you know, you just you sort of get it all together. And, and anyway, she flew down one day and brought Eloise back with her the next. And Eloise spent a week with us at the camps. And then she flew her back down and, and, and came back. Well, you know, Eloise just absolutely loves the, the services and especially the music that, that goes on there. It's, it's just a lot of carrying on. Last year, my, my mother, Eloise's great-grandmother, asked Eloise, what did you like at camp? And what did you like in the services at camp, Eloise? Eloise grinned at her and said, we danced. And the child does like to dance. So here it was last week. Mona was putting Eloise to bed. And Eloise said, Nona, which is what Mona goes by with the grandchildren, it's Italian for grandma, but Mona's not an Italian, but it doesn't matter. You know, you got to be called something. And Eloise, the little three-year-old, said, you know, and you just think she's just standing there dancing. And she says, Nona, that song today said that Jesus is God. Is Jesus God, Nona? Nona said, yes, Eloise, Jesus is God. Oh, I didn't know Jesus is God. 
Then Eloise said, that other song said that God lives in us. How does God live in us, Nona? So there, Mona and Eloise were having a discussion about God living in us. You know, if you hang around us Nazarenes for any time at all, you'll hear the word holiness at some point. But you know, for all intents and purposes, 99% of the time, if you just want to think of it this way, holiness is just Christ-likeness. And the way to Christ-likeness is by Christ living in us. And a pretty good test of how well we're living the life of Jesus is by the compassion that's, being, that's coming through us or not. And you know, in the words of the song we've been singing the last few years, everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs compassion. The kindness of a Savior. So let me hang out at camp just a, a minute longer here. My job last week was, was to be Eloise's lunch and dinner host while Mona was about her other duty. So I would go over to the campgrounds and sit there at lunch and sit there at dinner and, and you know, and she would have all of the, that delicious camp food. And, uh, and, we just, and, the, and the kids would come in, they'd sit down at our table, and we'd have conversations. So one day, this table full of girls, they all sit down, and, uh, and we're just chatting away. And this, this little girl, eight, nine years old, she doesn't know me from Adam, and, and we're just having a little conversation there. And, and then she just sort of, out of the blue, she says, I love my church. And I said, oh, that's wonderful that you love your church. That's, that's great. Tell me about it. And so she did, and she told me which one it was and why she likes it and all the rest of that. And... And, and then she started telling me about her family. And, and she said, well, you know, she said, my dad was, was in jail for two years. But he got out a year ago on December the 23rd. She says, you know, that's just two days before Christmas. I said, well, I'm sure you were all there. Oh, she, said, we, she said, our whole family, we were so happy. It was December the 23rd. And then she cocked her head and she said, we didn't get any presents that year, but that was just because my dad just got out of jail and he didn't have a job. And then she, as if she was just reflecting on it all over again, she says, you know, Santa didn't come that year either. Oh my. Oh my. So there was this boy at camp, and I thought I knew who he was. And uh, I thought, well, he's growing a little bit, but he, he, I sure thought that's who it was. And I'd watched him through the week, and finally I walked over to him, and I just said hi. And, and I said, you're, you're Tim's boy, aren't you? And catch this now. Listen to it. And he stopped and he looked at me and he says, uh, No, I don't have any dads by that name. It's just my mom and me. I don't have any dads by that name. It just made me wonder what all's gone on in that little boy's life. 
and the ins and the outs. So back to Jesus, filled with compassion. You know what happens. He tells the disciples to get them something to eat, and Philip does the math and comes up with that accounting answer, you know, eight months' wages isn't going to be enough to feed this crowd, or shorthand, no way, Jose. Then watch what happens. John writes, then Andrew, now this is the second time that we've, second time Andrew's been mentioned. Read it. Then Andrew, comma, Simon Peter's brother. Oh, that's so wrong. I mean, that is just double dog wrong this time. I mean, he's introduced him that way once. We ought to know who he is. And he's so forgettable that five chapters later, John feels like he's got to introduce him all over again. You know, he's, you know who he is. You've forgotten who he is, but let me remind you who he is. And he said, there is a boy here with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? I've been ruminating on that question the last couple of weeks, and here's where I've been. It's a statement wrapped in a question, really. It's simple to do the math. He's just being polite. He's saying, you know, this is what we've got, but... That's not going to get the job done. Two fish, five biscuits, thousands of people. It's a statement of doubt. It's a statement, actually, it's really just a statement of negative fact wrapped in a question. This is not going to happen, and understandably so. But what if that same question is not a question of doubt for us, but what if that question for us is a question of possibility? Here is a boy with his lunch. What is that among so many? I don't know. I wonder what might happen. What do you think? Jesus is God. I wonder what, we might, what might happen if we, we put it in his hands. And so we know the end of this story. Everybody does. But they didn't because they were in the middle of it. And isn't that your life and my life? We're in the middle of our lives. We're in the middle of this walk with Jesus. We're in the middle of these impossible situations. We're in the middle of all of these needs all over our world. You remember it says later in the New Testament, all of these things were written for us so that, so that we might gain knowledge and wisdom and learn from them. <laughs> so, one, one more grandparent story, I promise you I'm done. So the other evening, I just remembered, you're on Facebook, I bet I'm off screen, aren't I? It's all right. And uh, anyway, now you're on radio. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I had to turn around and say that to the, to the camera. <laughs> but anyway, here, where was I? Oh, back to grandparent stories. But anyway, here, here we are, and it's, it's uh, 
Eloise heard Mona say, oh my gosh. And Eloise said to Mona, Nona, we're not supposed to say, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Mona's like, oh. Mona was like, oh boy, what do I do here? I guess I've been caught. I don't know. I guess they've been teaching her that. And so rather than, you know, be disruptive to whatever she's getting at home, Mona just said, well, you know what, Eloise, you're, you're, you're right. We probably shouldn't say. Do you know why we shouldn't say, oh, my gosh? No. Well, probably the reason we shouldn't say that is because gosh can sound like God, and, we, and, and God's name is very holy, and, and he has told us that we shouldn't just say his word, his name lightly. So somebody could think that we were just saying, oh, my God, like, you know, we were just disrespect she didn't use the word disrespect with a three-year-old but that's what she's driving it was quite a, it was quite a wonderful theological treatise for a three-year-old on oh my goshness and always just oh well now here we go so jesus says bring the boy here and the boy comes and he's got he got these five biscuits and two fish and Jesus has the disciples. And he takes one of the biscuits. I don't know what 5 divided by 12 is, but I mean it's not enough to get the jam out for. I'm pretty confident of that. And, and he, he takes whatever that little portion of a biscuit is, and, and you know, two fish divided by 12, that's one-sixth of a fish. I mean, and these were little fish to begin with, so you got one-sixth one of, a, of a pitiful little fish fish to begin with and he, he hands it to one of the disciples and you know here you got less than half a biscuit and, and a sixth of a fish and you take the crowd up on the hill there here you go and you take them and this bunch here and you know and, and really? Jesus? So here they start. Would you like some lunch? Don't take too much, please. We've got a big crowd today. And, 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 you know, and so she takes it, and, and they pass it, and it starts going down the row, and, and, and down the row, and, you know, and you're sort of sitting there saying, oh, and then it starts coming back. Whoa, got it back. Somebody must have been holding out. They had their lunch too. So you start down the next one. Would you like a little lunch? Just a little bit till you get home. And 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 on down it goes and down the rows and and this time it this time it it comes back and there's I mean there's handfuls. Oh my goodness. Would you like some lunch? Go ahead, have, have some. And, and on down it goes, and, and now it comes back this way, and, and, and it's like, whoa, and it's like, hey, have some lunch. All you want, it's all the fish you can eat. Eat it all, take it, and it begins to come back. And here, have some lunch, you know. Please take, take some home with you. If you don't, i got to carry a basket of it home with me. And, and back and forth, and, and it's going, you know, and you're, you're at this row, you know, but it's back up at about here that he's looking back, and, he's, and, and the disciples, you know, they're, they're looking around at this point, and, I mean, you know, it, it started up here with, 
I mean, a sixth of a fish and a little bit of a biscuit. And now you got all of this and all of them have already been fed. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what's going on here? And then you're back to about this part of it and it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. One of the lessons that I've learned over the years, and I've had to learn so many, so many, many, many times. I'm, I, I'm in the slow learner class. There's no doubt about it. But boy, one that I've seen a bunch of times. If you want to get on the same page as Jesus and you want to see him do some really big things, get where he is in regard to people with needs and compassion. And that's when he does the big miracles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does miracles. But, I mean, that's when he does the big ones. Because that's where his heart's at. So here, a little better than a year ago, I'm, I heard about some organization. I have no idea how I heard about it. It so bugs me that I can't remember how. They even sent me a survey recently. They said, how did you hear about us? I don't remember how I heard about you. But it's about this young guy from Nampa, Idaho, went to Northwest Nazarene College, went over to Kenya, saw these kids that didn't have shoes and all the problems because of the parasites that millions of people in the world have because of, of parasites coming through the soil into, into people's, feet besides of, people's feet besides the fact of, of just not having any shoes. And he, he came back to Idaho and said, I'm gonna he didn't know anything about shoes. He wasn't an engineer, nothing like that. He said, I, I want to figure out a way that kids can have shoes that they aren't constantly outgrowing their shoes and they can have them for an extended period of time. And, and, and I'll show you a video here in just a, a minute about it. And somehow one thing led to another. Well, anyway, I, I've been with them. In fact, I... I had my picture taken. We took a selfie. I don't normally take selfies, but I met him here recently. It's like one of my heroes. He started this organization called The Shoe That Grows. It's with Because International, organization he's found. I mean, he's just a young guy. He's not in on anybody's inner circle. <laughs> he's just, you know what? You don't have to be on the inner circle to get connected with Jesus to do something big. So he started it. And we've got the video. It's just two minutes. Show it, guys. Just about every parent has had that feeling looking at the feet of their fast-growing children. Time to buy another pair of shoes already? It's especially challenging for those living in poverty. Tonight, Elaine Quijano has a solution. A shoe that grows right along with the kid. Kenton Lee was volunteering at an orphanage in Kenya seven years ago when he noticed a common problem. Next to me was a little girl in a white dress, and I looked down and was shocked. Her shoes were so small she had to cut open the front of her shoes to let her, let her toes stick out. He also saw kids missing school after being infected by soil-transmitted parasites, a problem the World Health Organization says affects two billion people globally. That's when he came up with an idea footwear that grows with a child. When kids have shoes that fit, they stay healthy. 
When they stay healthy, they've got chances to succeed. Lee tried unsuccessfully to make his own prototype and later approached several shoe companies with his idea. No one was interested. So he brought his vision to a shoe development company founded by a former Nike executive. We told them our idea, they loved it, they, they totally saw what we were trying to do. The company's proof of concept donated its time and technical expertise. The result was the shoe that grows, the first project for Lee's nonprofit, Because International. The shoes are made of leather and rubber and expand five sizes. It grows in the front with a post, on the sides with our snaps, and on the back with a buckle. Now 3,000 pairs of the shoes are on kids' feet, and 5,000 more are expected to be delivered this month. Word is spreading. Lee says he's been inundated with calls from people in the U.S. who also want shoes for their children. Lee is also working on a more enclosed version of the footwear that offers even better protection. Ultimately, he hopes the shoes will help lead children around the world down a healthier path. Elaine Kihana, CBS News, New York. So you heard the 3,000 and the 5,000, and that was from two years ago. Last month, they sent out their 100,000th pair of these shoes. So in a story too long for me to tell you about, I'm going to Malawi in October. They say every good sermon ought to give you something to think about, something to feel, and something to do. I'm going I'm to invite you to do something here in a minute. Malawi is, uh, some describe it as the poorest non-warring country in the world. Just to give you a bit of a comparison, many of you are familiar with Haiti, no doubt several of you have been there, I've been there. The most hopeless place that I've ever been in the world. The gross domestic product per person in Haiti, or in Malawi, in Malawi, is two-thirds less than Haiti. I can't even imagine a place on the earth that's two-thirds less poor than Haiti. And uh, I'm wanting to take a whole big bunch of shoes with me. And I already ordered them, but now i got to pay for them. <laughs> and that's where you come in. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came this morning? Uh, there's nothing, I'm not twisting any arms. But, but I think I know you all well enough. And I felt comfortable enough to, to come here and do this. Maybe some places I wouldn't. But I brought a pair of cowboy boots with me this morning. And there's going to be one boot at one door and one boot at another door. And if you just have anything that you'd like to give at all, the shoes typically are about $15 a pair. If you've got a $1 in your pocket, if you've got a 5 or if the Lord just lays on you to do something big, if you want to write a check out, you can make it to your local church here and just write shoes in the, in the memo there. And we'll make sure that these poor, poor children. Why? Because Jesus has compassion. He cares. And he cares through us. And what he does and what he wants to do and is doing in the world is miraculous. Even through events like this, when you're in the middle of the story 
And in a sense this morning, I just sort of feel like all of us are basically the ones, along with Kent and Lee, we're just the ones passing the bread saying, here, would you like to have? Here, Jesus, Jesus wants you to have. Jesus wants you to have food to eat. And Jesus wants you to have clothes to wear. And Jesus wants you to have shoes to put on your feet. And we are the people of Jesus. I invite you to stand with me. In a moment, we're going to sing. But just before we go, I would just want to mention to you or, or bring this all to a conclusion. The really big picture in all of this, the heart of Jesus coming even. You see, it's, it's really a a vivid illustration what went on out in that field that day because we don't have what it takes but Jesus came and said I am the bread of life <laughs> he who believes on me will never go hungry I didn't know when I was planning to come preach here that today you would be serving the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But how fitting that even on this morning we took the bread and we put it in. It's a sim symbol of what he has done for us. Him for us. But it's also a symbol of, and every time I take the bread and chew it, I pray a very similar prayer. I prayed it this morning. And that is, Lord, as I take this bread, I ask that your life will be lived in and through me as long as you give me life. And so the first service they were so kind and so responsive and I appreciate that and it's just I'm not pulling but if you just like to do something I'm a big believer that many people would like to do something if they knew what to do and I think this is an opportunity Lord Jesus thank you for letting us be here oh my the blessings that are ours in you the blessings that are eternal for which we are most grateful for we came without and you came with everything and you offered freely to us yourself then too Lord We know we are richly blessed in many other ways by which we are so humbled, incredibly humbled. Grateful for the provisions that we have and the relative ease with which we lead our lives compared to much of the rest of the world. And I pray pray, Lord, for every one of us, and I pray especially for me this morning that I would be filled with your Spirit 
that my heart and our hearts too would go out to others and that we would be marked by the characteristic, your characteristic of compassion. And grant, Lord, for all of those this morning who are out at the very front lines doing good in your name, I pray that you will bless them and bless us as we help them. For the privilege of gathering in your name and worship, we give you thanks for the richness of your word, the fellowship of your spirit, and the company of our brothers and sisters. We give you thanks and pray this all in your name. Amen. Let's sing before we go this morning, shall we?